I spend, I was very intentional about the name of the book because of exactly what you're talking about. And I spend time in the beginning talking about, um, how, you know, I open with a, a big, heroic, iconic bravery uh, situation that's a national one that people will really recognize. And then I go into, okay, you know, there's the big B and there's the small B. And <laughs> the big B, right? People, it is people, most of those people have trained their entire lives for those moments, right? The doctors, the police officers, the firefighters, they have been trained. So, and then I said, well, what, is there any bravery left for the rest of us? The answer is yes, right? And uh, and I talk about the small bravery and the moves that, that we can make. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cartavera the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. We're back here for episode 103 with our incredibly special guest, Nicole Bianchi. The title is Small Brave Moves, Life-Changing Leadership from Little Acts of Bravery. Nicole is the founding partner of Bravium HD. She's a speaker, facilitator, and coach, and she helps leaders and organizations grow their impact, grow their leadership by talking about the idea of bravery. You're going to come away hearing about this incredible question that we can ask ourselves every day. What's the bravest thing I did today? We're going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about resistance. Nicole is going to talk about the things that get in a way of change, both internal change and organizational change. This is a rich conversation that's so much needed in our world today. At the heart of it is leadership and growing people by starting by growing ourselves. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are back and today I am back to intrigued. I am intrigued because we're going to meet today and talk with Nicole Bianchi and she is the founding partner of an organization called Bravium HD. Uh, she's got some other side hustle. I'm not sure of all of it. There's a butterfly in here somewhere. And those of you that know me know I get excited about butterflies. But we're going to have a fabulous conversation today. Nicole not only is the founder of Bravium, she's a professional speaker, facilitator, a certified executive coach. She's the author of a really interesting book. I ha- I've ordered it. I haven't read it yet called Small Brave Moves. I know we're going to talk about that more. That is coming out in just a couple of weeks in April of 2021. Her passion is inspiring bravery. No surprise there. Awesome. And her focus is enabling leaders to stretch into their bravest selves. And I love this part. When she's not speaking, writing, or leading workshops, she's mostly cheering on one of her children in their collegiate sport or startup business. Gotta love that planning her next adventure with her husband, Dave. We're all waiting for that. And here we go. Here's the other conversation, Craig. Or enjoying a full-bodied wine surrounded by friends. That makes my heart go pitter-pat. So, Nicole, give us a little bit of the story that gets us here today. Yeah, so uh, I have been uh, leading workshops, uh, doing strategy, working with leaders for 
um, inside organizations for about 16 years and outside about nine years. Uh, and the common missing element that I see in leaders is a lack of bravery. And uh, so two to three years ago, I started working on this concept of what about if we shift shift the spotlight from just leadership to actually a concept I coined bravership, which is bravery plus leadership. Um, because I, I do believe I, in the, the work that we do um, and what I see is that, that um, leaders, we can give them the, the best skills, tools, things to work on. But if they don't have bravery to actually do them, uh, it, it's for naught. And so uh, I, that's why we're here today is to talk a little bravery. Awesome. I love that. Well, and what I love is you're like me, you're a word creator. Uh, in my second book, I, similar, I came up with the word living ship because people only talked about leadership in the corporate or business context. They said, no, we lead everywhere. We lead in our lives. Oh my God, there's a new word. And, and I do have to give you a plug, Nicole, because I listened to one of your other podcast interviews just last week. I got it that, you know, we got one to get you on here. I've already started using your concept for myself and with a group that I'm in a challenge with because the next day I went in and talked about your question, which is what's the bravest thing you did today? And it, it inspired me to do a brave thing. And everybody now we talk about every day. So we have our goals and our stretches, but what's the brave thing? So already you've already touched me and everybody that I'm touching. So the, the ripple has started from this direction. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Talk about- I think that's that's going to be added into our mix in, in Cartevera too, Jeff. So in our check-ins, what's the what's the bravest thing you've done today or will do today? Yeah, it's it's just so powerful. I mean, I so Nicole, where did that you gave a little bit, but where did that come from? That focus on bravery. I I'll tell you, it started, I saw inside organization when I was working inside of a couple of different organizations um, in, in a variety of different roles, um, I saw people shying away and not being willing to have the tough conversations or um, kind of uh, almost uh, assimilating to like whatever that culture and environment, they became whatever that was, right? And not really standing up for who they were and, um, and the purpose and values that they bring to the table. and. That's where it really started. And I noticed um, when I was inside organizations, bravery really is, we're taught not to be brave inside organizations. <laughs> we actually, yeah, we're, we're taught not to, right? We're, we're taught to be a bit submissive, follow the rules, um, do uh, these sorts of things, um, and then you'll be okay. And so, and actually one of my talks, I talk about uh, what happens when we get politically fired. Uh, when, you know, we're, we get to stay for a while, but we really non-existent because nobody likes when we speak up or share an opposing view or really kind of challenge. And, and so I, then, you know, kind of years later, as I've worked, you know, outside, it's the same thing, except what's interesting. And I don't know if you see this as well, when you're outside of an organization, you're actually um, rewarded for bravery. <laughs> so, you know, when I consult with clients, right, they may yeah. not always like it, right? Um, but they're, that's what they're paying you for, right, is to come in and say time out or challenge or, um, hey, you, you know, you hired me. Here's one example. You hired me to come in uh, and fix your team, right? There were all these issues with the team. Here's a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and come to find out as I was getting in there and really trying to understand the leader was the bulk of the issue. 
Now that was a really hard conversation to have, right? Because you've got to give, you've got to share that with them and then you've got to get them to be inspired, to be a bit braver. And and there's some transformation that's going to need to take place. So the question, back to the question, Jeff, real quick, is I found in those coaching conversations I was having with executives, uh, where I could get them to think about taking action was, what's the bravest thing you need to do right now? And then they were like, oh, if I could get one small move out of them, just to get them moving forward, it was a win. So when you're talking about bravery, typically I think bravery comes in the face of fear. And so what are the typical fears that you find that hold people back? Yeah, I, the three that I see most common are uh, fear of loss. So I'm, I'm holding on tight to something I don't want to lose, right? Okay. It could be a project, it could be a job, it could be something I've worked hard on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, fear of change. Uh, is another one. I mean, here we are, right? And the, there's change happening, accelerated change over yeah. the past year. And now, especially in the change I'm starting to see is people aren't wanting to go back into the office. People are, I mean, there's so much change that people are having to deal with in regards to the pandemic. Um, and then the other one is a fear of not having it right. So it's that, it's a bit of that imposter syndrome, those limiting beliefs. Yeah. Like if I don't, you know, my fear is I don't have it hundred percent right. And um, I'll tell you when I was writing this book, I'm like, gosh, do I have enough expertise to tell people about bravery? Right. And, and then the imposter syndrome that kind of comes into my head is, <laughs> right. well, am, am I, am I another Brené Brown? Like, are they going to be like, oh, she's, you know, and I was like, no, no, no. I have a very different take on this. And, um, it's a, it's a different and unique voice, especially coupled with my experience inside and outside of organizations. Hmm. So Nicole, let me ask you about the second one. You, you mentioned fear of change, and I want to go a little deeper. What have you found to be the fear under that? Because I say this, people, in my experience, people aren't afraid of change. They're afraid of the uncertainty of the outcome of change. Mm. Because yeah. two things I know, if you ask people, in five years, everything in your life will be exactly the same as today. How does <laughs> that work for you? Yeah. Almost everybody says, no, I want things to change. Yeah. Well, but you fear change. And if you say, hey, there's this amazing thing that's going to happen. Do you want it or not? They want it. So what are you finding is really the under of the fear of change? It's interesting that you ask that because 62% of people prefer the status quo. I thought you were going to say prefer statistics, but (laughs) prefer the status quo. So, you know, we kind of, we all fall into a routine or habits that you know, go on for a period of time. Uh, And I think uh, embracing uncertainty is actually one of the titles of one of my chapters because brave leaders, right? When we think about mindsets, behaviors, and habits, they have to get better at embracing uncertainty. And so two questions, one uh, question that I, when I was interviewing a leader for the book, um, it was great. She's a president of an insurance company. And she said, Nicole, I had to ask myself in the middle of the pandemic, what if this is happening for me right now. So think about that. What about if this is happening for me right now? And so how can I embrace that uncertainty and take it and and lessen the risk that's associated with it and think about it as what about if I give myself permission to experiment, try, you know, small adjustments to that because we make change so big in our heads, kind of insurmountable, that if we lessen that and really think about just one small move that we could do, then it becomes, well, or, or we often say to leaders, would you be willing to experiment? 
What about if you if you experimented with it? Well, experiment is a much easier term than like it lessens the risk associated with it, right? And then people are like, oh well, sure, I could try that. And it, it, you're thinking yeah. about it. And the other um, question I love to ask is, okay, what's the absolute worst that could happen mm-hmm. if you do this? What's the worst that could happen? And help people process it that way. Yeah, those are really good. I think one of the things that that Jeff and I look at is we we are in that place of, hey, let's try something new, right? We, we constantly want to change what we're doing. Um, we had a failure with, with something that we had tried recently, but we're now moving on to something else. And it's just that, that state of experimentation. Does it feel good to fail? No. But if we look at it as a learning opportunity, it was really interesting. Jeff and I had an, another guest on uh, several weeks ago, and she talked about taking failure bows. Yes. As, as part of the agile leadership process and just love that of, Hey, you know what, if we're not doing those types of things, and that means we're not pushing things forward, we're not growing our business ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You say, Nicole, this idea of a chapter on uncertainty. And, and what I heard in that is there's this difference between positions of leadership versus acts of leadership, because to me, if you're in a position of leadership, you definitely have to embrace uncertainty. And I would argue that if you're, if there's not uncertainty in what you're doing, you're not actually engaged in leadership in that moment. It's the uncertainty hmm. that makes it leadership. I was actually thinking about that this morning. That's I don't know why I woke up with that. This idea that like, if the answer is crystal clear and it's obvious and there's no risk, what's the leadership in that? Everybody could do that. Well, yeah, there's just know. getting people to follow you at that point. Yeah. Well, but if there's no risk and it's obvious and everything's clear, yeah. everybody's going to go. There's so I think and the uncertainty is, will they follow you? There's the risk. Will they follow you? What if you take off and no one follows you? So I think one of the things that we talk about is re-def- reinforming, I guess, the idea of leadership and, and really stripping away the labels and the positions. What is it? And so to me, when someone engages in an act of bravery, that's an act of leadership, whether you've got a title or not. Yeah. Right. Whether it's personal or and in a group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And when I think about um, what you're talking about, I love your previous podcast. You talk a lot about vulnerability, right? And mm-hmm. it does take an element of vulnerability and transparency as in when you're in that leadership act or a positional leadership to say, I don't have all the answers, but here, you know, I'm going to figure it out. Right. And, yeah. and having those conversations with your teams or your colleagues or your peers, or even your leader, right. That you report to and being able to, to say that and say, I, I don't have all the answers, but here's, here's the path I'm going to take and I'm going to go figure it out. And that's okay. Yeah. We don't always have to have it right. And that's so important. So many people realize or don't realize that that's, that's part of what you're getting paid for is to solve problems, not necessarily always have the answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this about fear, because I'm a big, we're big here on what's in the way of what we want, <laughs> yes. not just how do we get there, but what's in the way. And I think fear is always a big one. And one you didn't mention by name that came up for me just in the last 24 hours with some clarity is the fear of being authentic. Mm-hmm. Because I was on a call last night with a large group of people talking about fears and nearly every one of them that was at a core of their fear. Hmm. They're not showing up authentically in their lives. They want to, but they have a lot. I mean, the words were, I'm anxious, I'm terrified, anxious wow. to terrified. Mm-hmm. And so how do you see that showing up 
in this uh, with leaders and leadership. Yeah. So that's actually one of my first chapters is it starts with self, your authentic self. Totally. And uh, I had an opportunity to interview uh, Tiffany Haddish. She's in on that movie Girls Trip. Um, and she was like, Nicole, you've got to tell your story. You've got to tell all of it. And um, and I when I think about our authentic self, it's about bringing our you know entire self, um, all of it to everything that we do. And it's when we administer assessments to leaders, I'll often get the question, um, uh, Nicole, do you want me to take this as I am at work or <laughs> am at home? And then I have to pause and say, are you two different people? And, mo- and most times they are. They're playing two very wow. different roles. And that's what Masked. they have to reconcile. Yeah. That's what they have to reconcile is, okay, well, now that's a whole nother conversation, right? Let's put the assessment aside for just a minute and talk through what might be going on there. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I asked those similar questions and I tend to be very direct. And typically when someone says that, I will say, well, which one is a lie? Oh, that's a good question. And they usually say, well, what, 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 what do you mean? They said, well, <laughs> And maybe both of them are actually, yeah. but if they're different, one of them has to be a lie and they don't like that word, but it's kind of, I'm a jolter. I tend to jolt people <laughs> versus oh, la, 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 no, what's yeah. the lie? And yeah. a lot of people are convinced that they are legitimately showing up differently and that nobody knows. Yes. Yes. Okay, Jeff, I need your permission to steal that question. Bring it on. This is about just making the world a better place. Yes. Bring it on. Yes. Yeah, that is such a great way to think about it. And um, I I I find the leaders that haven't done the hard work around what is really their purpose, what are their ethos, how do they want to live, how do they want to be when they haven't done that. They're, they're running multiple different directions and they're not clear. And those are also the leaders I find that tend to adopt the company's yeah. mission, vision, values because they have none of their own. So they come in, they, they grab hold of that and that becomes the way they do things. And then it's hard for them to reconcile when things are at odds with each other, right? Because they don't know, yeah. they're not clear on what they are and they haven't done the deep work that needs to take place. So that actually makes a real a lot of sense because I guess one of my next questions was really around the difference between bravery and identity. Because when we have an internal identity of something, we're going to act according to that. And that that's why change is often so difficult for people because they don't adopt a new identity. So therefore, it's kind of like Zig Ziglar used to say, um, you got to be before you do and do before you can have. So the whole beginning of that is you have to be a, the kind of person who's going to do the kind of stuff that's going to get you what you want. Yeah, definitely. Are you, fi- are you finding that in your work, Nicole, that, that people, is it the lack of identity or they have the identity and showing it terrifies them? What's the fear that you're finding? Uh, I think it's both of those. And the third one I'm going to add on, I'm going to do a yes. And I, think they struggle with the culture and environment that they are in that Mm. is constantly competing with that. So for example, there's a, there's a fortune 100 company I work really closely with. And these leaders, when they go to work there, they make tremendous sacrifices. I mean, 70 to 80 hours a week, holidays, weekends, they are on call 24 seven. And when we do the deep work around purpose and values and ethos and what's most important, family comes up for all of them. Yet, 
they never get to spend any time with their family. And picture a room full of 20 leaders that are getting ready to flip to the highest executive roles in this company, men and women, about 50%. And there is not a dry eye in that room at that moment. I mean, that's tough. Yeah. Well, and to me, what that tells me is that they are regularly, daily living out of integrity with Mm -hmm. themselves and often not aware of it because I see exactly the same thing. People will always list. I'm like, like sometimes I want to say, would you stop being nice? Because it's all a lie. Your family is not number one. Your family is not number one. Right. You know, let's go ask them if they feel like number one. Yeah. Let's ask ask your, let's ask your kids. Yeah. You know, over the last week, how many times did your dad choose you over work? Yeah. Then they go, Oh Jesus. Right. So one of my values, they are, they actually think their family's a priority. I know I did. I did this. I did just what you're saying years ago and it cost me. It it is, it is very costly. And sometimes we have the opportunity to move out of those situations. Sometimes we don't. And then I always go back down to the simple answer is choice. It's all about choice, right? Yeah. I was going to say, I I think we always have a choice. It now comes out back to an act of bravery. Can I stand that dis? that dissonance of not knowing what the next role is going to be. How can I make sure that the culture in the next organization matches my values better? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So going back to you're doing working a lot in organizations Mm -hmm. and so you talk about how you you've touched on it, but how do you start to work with them around bravery? Mm -hmm. How do you actually do it with them? Yeah. Uh, so it can show up in a lot of different forms, right? It can show up in one-on-one coaching. When I build leadership programs, I build very experiential ones that push them to levels they never thought possible. One uh, quick example I'll share with you uh, is an exercise. I have a piece on being intentional. And so, you know, envision all of these type A leaders that roll into the room and they're like, okay, yeah, we're going to be in, you know, let's talk intentionality. And I'll stop them and say, okay, you've got 15 minutes to think of something that you are not, you have not been intentional about that's swirling around in your head that you haven't done. Oh, Nicole. And I always get resistance. We do, you know, we're the, we're the best of the best. We, we take care of whatever we need to, right? We're all type A leaders. And I'll say, no, stop. And I'll, and I'll force them to stop, give them space to reflect. And what comes up for these leaders is just, I mean, it, it, it's somewhat transformational. Like uh, one was like, I, I, I've always wanted to be a songwriter, a songwriter. And he's like, so I think I'm going to do some research in the next hour around what well, I said, no, 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 you're going to write your first song and actually perform it in about 90 minutes. Here. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Wow. We had another leader who uh, she would always fly back to the home office for these leadership sessions. And her mom was slowly dying of dementia And when she would come back, these sessions that she would come back for were 24 seven. She just didn't have a lot of time. And, and she was like, I I need to spend time with my mom. There's not much time left. And I looked straight at her and I said, you've, I, you've got two hours to do this. I gave her my car keys and she drove down to the home to spend two hours with her mother. Like, I was just like, what are you? So these leader, I think when you give people's, you know, um, an opportunity to be brave and to really and, and create the right space for it to happen. I mean, I'm only sharing a couple there. I could go, I could spend two, three hours giving you story after story of transformation that happened in that room for two hours 
because they had an opportunity to be intentional about something they wouldn't have otherwise given themselves mm. the space to do. Wow. Speak to something you used, a phrase there, Nicole. You said these leaders are saying we're all type A. And I have my own thoughts on that. But what are your thoughts on that idea of people, almost badge of honor that I'm a type A leader? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I clearly laughed at it in that moment because uh, I get that they have been very successful and that's why they hold those roles. And I also get that we're working together to get them ready for that next role and they're not quite ready for that. Right. And so the arrogance that comes with the, the badge of honor and the pride around being a type A, um, I, I, you know, OK, I think that's great. I can tell you I've achieved a, a great amount of success. Um, I hustle. I do the hard work. I would never label myself as a type A person. I just wouldn't. So okay, I go ahead. Strong feelings, Jeff. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe. No, I have probably even stronger feelings because I think I'm really feeling right now going forward. The next time someone says they're a type A, I said, well, welcome to the assholes club. <laughs> because I, here's my experience. If we ask people that work for the so-called type A people, most of them are going to say that there's an asshole in them yeah. because like, like just what you said, they were really successful before, but they were successful performing, not leading. Exactly. Right. The role is very different. And I think the problem is no one's teaching them that there's a difference mm -hmm. and no one's showing them how to do the difference mm -hmm. and no one's saying it's okay to do it different. Right. So it's I could have let them, I could, ahead. I could have let them off the hook, right. With the whole type A comment. Uh, but it's clearly a sign of resistance. There was resistance happening in that moment, right? And that's how they were labeling it. And so be us for us to be able to pick up on that resistance and, um, you know, Jeff, I could have used your term like, well, that's a lie. Uh, I could have, right? I mean, I could have said something to really shock them. Uh, I could have, I could have went down the direction that I did. There's a lot of different ways we could have approached that, but I knew the work needed to be done then and that, you know, in that moment and for the next two hours. And I wasn't going to let any of them off the hook. Good. Now, does that mean that when they're, when they're saying, you know, I'm, I'm a type A, are they saying that's just the way I am and I can't change that because that's my nature? Uh, I think what they were saying was we do, we're very intentional as leaders already, Nicole. Um, I'm a type A. I take care of everything that needs to be taken care of. Gotcha. They were trying to let me know that whatever was in front of them for the exercise wasn't going to be beneficial because <laughs> they already do all these great things. Gotcha. And then when I get down into the setup and that, and you see the look on some of their faces like, oh gosh, I have to do what? You know, that's when the reality hits for them, right? And a bit right. of the shock value. So it's a great example of they walk away, that ends up getting one of the highest rated exercises because it forces them to be brave and to make small, brave moves around whatever is that is that's going on for them um, that, they, that they are intentionally not being intentional about. So it sounds like when they're saying they're type A, they're taking care of everything on the outside, but maybe they're missing the stuff on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, well, I feel like I'm going to have to think about this. I don't want to rush <laughs> to my conclusion, but it feels like people who are really type A are often not intentional at all. Because the people I don't I think I don't know if you find this, Nicole, I don't think people really understand what intentionality means. It's not a word they talk about. When I bring it up, they go, what do you mean intentional? You mean structured and planned? I said, nope, not at all. 
has mm-hmm. nothing to do with that. That's that's the corporate model. Right. But I think that there's an inconsistency because type A's take care of everything. Mm-hmm. Well, you're taking care of your people because that's about intentionality. And care of your family. Uh, no, I don't really have I don't really have time for that because I'm handling stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and let's talk about the work that I just mentioned around the purpose and the ethos. If we take yeah. time to, if you take time to do that deep work and then you do nothing with it and it ends up on a shelf somewhere or um, gosh, I can't even remember what I, there, there absolutely no intentionality around living mm. very best life and you're being your very best self then is the way I look at it. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Yes. And I got to say this because not everybody can see it. I'm going to say it. I'm so excited today. I'm wearing my new t-shirt that I just got from our good friend, Justin Jones Fosu, who was back here this summer. His new book just came out called The Inclusive Mindset, all about bringing diversity, equity, inclusion into your everyday life, not just in your businesses. And the t-shirt says diversity is dope. So you will be seeing that on social media soon. And uh, I I have to give another shout out to Justin. He did his book launch virtually last Wednesday night. He had a couple hundred people on it. And I think it was yesterday he sent our speaker mastermind a video. Uh, He was on the Charlotte News. They covered him on the news, the book launch uh, just this week. So really cool stuff, exciting stuff and important stuff in this world. Welcome back. Now, when you talk about bravery, you're, you're talking about, let's, let's get rid of fear. And one of the things that Jeff and I've talked about in the past is that when we're in a state of fear, oftentimes we're not present. We're either thinking about the future, we're thinking about the past. And so how much of, of the training that you do relates back to presence? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, it's, an, it's a very important aspect of it. And I think in those moments, I'm, I'm, what I'm hitting on right now, what's coming up for me when you think about fear and how fear might paralyze us a bit is um, I, you know, you hope that you're with somebody that is seeing what is happening to you and can pick up on some of these cues, but that's not always the case. Right. So I actually, I, I do a lot of like, okay, here's, here's the method of self-coaching. Here are three questions you can ask yourself in this moment. What, when you're, when you're dealing with fear, when you're dealing right to kind of get your head wrapped around it. Um, because if, if you aren't, if you don't have the self-awareness then it's hard to take action or to do something about it. So I, you know, for me personally, I either see it, it comes at me, somebody says something to me, they're seeing something I'm not seeing, or I'm picking up on it. There's a little bit of self-awareness there and I know I've got to, I've got to work through it. So what are those three questions? You said there's three questions. Well, I, it depends on the situation. Oh, but okay. I, I said, so the situation. I, yeah, I typically like, I like, I think three questions that you could ask yourself again, you know, with like, um, the fear. So, you know, a middle question I love to ask is, so what's, what's the big challenge, right? With this, what outcome am I looking for would be a good second question. So maybe that's the first that what outcome am I looking for as a second question. And then the final question I'll ask myself is, okay, Nicole, what's the bravest thing you need to do right now? Or I'll say, what's one move you can make if I want to lessen it a little bit, right? It's one move that can get you moving forward. One move I can make. That's good. <laughs> So, and then you so, can start moving away from it. Then you start, you're starting to address the fear, right? Of what's happening and, and giving you a tiny bit of control over, mm-hmm. over the next pieces of it. Right. Yeah. Well, the reason I asked is one of the questions that I really like is, and I've, I do, I start with myself. This is where I test everything on myself. Cause I used to ask a bad, really bad question, which is, am I afraid? 
<laughs> and I learned it's a horrible question because my answer will always be no. I will rationalize as something other than fear. So now I know that. So my question is, what am I afraid of? Mm. I just start with it because I know I'm afraid of something. And now that my brain will now answer the question because it's not going to protect. I already took the scary question. Well, yes, I'm afraid, but what am I afraid of? And I just keep answering it until I get to something that for me hits me hard. Yeah. Like if I go, well, I might mess up. Well, who cares if you mess up? What are you afraid of? Well, people might think I failed. Well, who cares? They think you failed. And usually it's a really deep answer of mm -hmm. I'm going to start to doubt myself. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start to believe that I'm really not as good as I think. And I can't bear to think. And that's when they get there. Now we can get the work done because yeah. that's what's going on. It's not this other stuff. Yeah. I, Jeff, what I really appreciate about your saying, what you're saying is, especially when you're coaching, whether it's yourself or somebody else, oftentimes it's not that first answer or two and that it sits much deeper. And that's where we have to be patient and yeah. asking those yeah. follow-up questions and not rushing to a, okay, great. Now what's that? What can you do? What's that one move you can make? Because you'll never get it right at that point. So I appreciate you uh, demonstrating patience with that and really getting at the underlying challenge or issue. Yeah, wasn't it Einstein that on. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Wasn't it Einstein that said, if, if I have an hour to solve a problem, I'll spend 55 minutes determining what the question is? The right question. Yeah, and I think you're right, Nicole. I think my prediction is it's usually five to seven questions. Usually, mm -hmm. unless someone's really worked on themselves to get quickly to the answer, because the answer is always an emotional one. And I love the exercise you talked yeah. about. I think. Um, I'll share this. It might be helpful to folks. Years ago, I stumbled into this exercise that I didn't know what it was. It was actually, I was teaching presentation skills and people always say they're nervous talking. And what I did is I said, well, everybody get up and talk for two minutes about something you care about. Because my point was no one's nervous talking about things they care about. Mm -hmm. It's when there is something else, but the things that came out of people, like it was deeply emotional. They started talking about they're just their family and their kids. And like people were in tears. And the only question was, tell us, talk about something you care about. And it, the way it created this vulnerability in the group, I went, wow, I'm going to do this all the time now. <laughs> not just, not just presentation skills, but yeah. just ask people to talk about what they care about and, and create a space for them to do that. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about this idea of resistance. You used it a couple of times. I think it's an incredible concept and I think it's always there. If there's any pause, it's resistance, but how do you address resistance in the context of this bravery focus? Yeah. Uh, so there's typically three levels. So Rick Moore actually has a, a book on uh, resistance, and he talks about there's three different levels of resistance that you typically see in people. And I think that's an important place to start because if it's a deep, deep resistance, then what you do in that moment is going to be much different than just a, a, a very entry level resistance. So the first one is, is um, uh, I don't, uh, I don't understand it. Right. It's kind of a, so you're seeing resistance because they're not understanding. And I, I'm sure that was part of the reason in that exercise, like, I don't understand what you're asking of me. So I'm going to throw up some resistance because I, you're making me a little nervous here, Nicole. Right. The next level, the next one is I don't like it. Right. So I don't like what you're doing to me or around me or for, you know, and so uh, I'm going to resist because I just don't like the change. And then the deepest one uh, is I don't like you. Mm. It's because of you that um, I'm throwing this resistance up. 
right? And so you have to get really clear and kind of, that's actually, I'd choose that framework to think about like, okay, is it that they don't understand it? Is it that they don't like it? Or is it about me or, you know, leadership or something else that might be getting in the way of what they might be experiencing? Hmm. So let me, let me follow up on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing you didn't mention and so this maybe gets just to how I think about resistance is you didn't mention fear in there. Mm-hmm. And to me, fear can be a form of resistance, mm-hmm. but fear manifests also as resistance, which to me are two different things. So how does resistance and fear fit for your work? So tell me when you say fear manifests, manifests itself as resistance, give me an example of what you're. Yeah, sure. Um, okay. Um, so here's one that applies to a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people will say to me, Jeff, if I only knew what I wanted to do, I would do it in a heartbeat. And I would, you know, I usually say, actually, you already know, but I don't, Jeff, you didn't listen to me. If I knew I would do it. And I said, no, here's the thing by not knowing you don't have to do anything, but the soon as you know, and you really consciously acknowledge, I know what it is. It's really hard not to act, which means right. you have to be brave now. Mm-hmm. Though not knowing to me is a form of resistance that mm-hmm. is based upon the fear of what might happen. Because yeah. now I'm faced with either I go forward and it's scary as hell, or I do nothing and I don't know how to live with that either. So I better not, yeah. better off not knowing. That would be. <laughs> it's a story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's um, a good way to think about it. I do want to jump back to something that we were talking about we kind of hit a, had a glancing blow about the differences between the, the thinking and the feeling around fears. And as we, as we get into this whole aspect of bravery of how do we deal with, you know, people that are in their head a lot, that's, that's been me historically. I'm really working on feeling what I feel, but oftentimes I will justify a lot of things in my head mm-hmm. as Jeff was talking about earlier. And how do you get that person out of their head and into their heart? Yeah. So it's interesting when we're talking about fears, there's actually two different types of fears. There's um, inherent fear that's kind of linked to survival, right? Like mm. a snake's going to bite me. And so I, you know, ah, I, that's a fear. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the learned fear and the right. fears that I shared with you are the learned fears and they're, they're, they become irrational okay. and develop over time. And so we have to be really intentional about being aware of those and practicing when that happens, you know, here's what I need to do. So an example, when we're dealing with, you know, kind of that fear of not being perfect or not being good enough, um, that imposter syndrome, uh, you know, a simple, a simple way to deal with that is, okay, I want you to, I want you to put down the top 10 things that you've accomplished over the last whatever time period. Most of us will only remember the last 30, 60, maybe 90 days. We don't go back very far, but if you actually list out your accomplishments, you go, gosh, I have really, you know, but we're so quick to move on to the next thing. We don't really cherish that moment. And so there's different moves you can make. And I talk a lot about them in that, in that particular chapter uh, for each one of those learned fears to say, here's some moves, here's some practices, here's some ways to think about it. When you uh, begin to see it showing up right? And you're recognizing and you're picking up on some of the cues of it happening. And my guess is. Of those three fears, there's probably one that happens more often for you as a leader, right? And not um, not that you're not experiencing all three, but there's probably one that kind of pokes its head a little more regularly um, that you have to manage in a in a in a particular way. 
Gotcha. So those would be corporophobias. <laughs> so Nicole, I want to ask about this, come back to this bravery theme. One of the things, and I, you just touched on it, as I said earlier, I started using this with the group that I'm coaching with right now. And the first day after I had listened to your podcast, people were checking in on what they did. And one person shared that they had followed up on something they hadn't done for three weeks. And I said, wow, it sounds like you did something really brave. That was your bravery. And they said, it doesn't feel very brave. And I said, well, maybe that's about reframing bravery because we tend to think, I think culturally that bravery is about doing these monumentally mm. like yeah. life-threatening things for, and the ones that are the fight or flight when mm. the reality is, which I said to him, you did something you've been putting off for three weeks. That's bravery. Yeah. And the challenge of it, this person accepting it as bravery and allowing, I call it allowing themselves to bless themselves mm-hmm. to say, I was brave but it doesn't feel big. So that's why I love the small, you call it the small brave moves. Mm-hmm. How often does that come up and how do you teach people about that bravery is these small things versus yeah. something giant so they can bless themselves for being brave? Mm-hmm. Good point. Such a great question. And I think, so two things I want to talk about real quick. First is I spend, I was very intentional about the name of the book because of exactly what you're talking about. And I spend time in the beginning talking about, um, you know, I open with a a big, heroic, iconic bravery uh, situation that's a national one that people will really recognize. And then I go into, okay, you know, there's the big B and there's the small B. And (laughs) the big B, right? People, it is people, most of those people have trained their entire lives for those moments, right? The doctors, the police officers, the firefighters, they have been trained. So, and then I said, well, what, is there any bravery left for the rest of us? The answer is yes. Right. And, uh, and I talk about the small bravery and the moves that, that we can make. When I started uh, right after the pandemic hit, I decided to start a being brave series that I posted out on social media. It was one leader, uh, five minutes, and it was. Uh, Uh, usually CEOs, leaders, or small business owners, and asking one question, what is helping them be braver right now? So I wanted to create some immediacy. And, you know, I I start the recording and we're all, you know, I've sent the questions ahead of time. And they almost, a nine out of 10 leaders said, I don't feel like I'm being real brave right now. Because they build it up, Jeff, to your point, to this big, like, some iconic move. And then I go into some detailed questions and pull out and you're going, wow, there's some incredible mindsets, behaviors, and habits that these leaders are doing that are really brave, especially right now. Yeah. Wow. When you said you talked about those heroic things, what flashed in my head is the iconic movie Braveheart. (laughs) But if you look at Braveheart, it actually is what you talk about because they see him as this massively brave person in the most heroic ways and as a warrior. But if you think about it, that all the scenery and the fights and the battles, but you go back to one line, and Craig, you've used it before. One of, it's my favorite line from the movie. Every man dies, but not every man lives. Yeah. The bravery was his, was not the battles. The bravery was his willingness to stand up against something that was wrong. Mm-hmm. And just to stand up and it turned into bigger acts, but yeah. the fact of his willingness to not kneel, right? you know, was in, yeah. So I think there's, it, it's so easy to get caught up because I think we've been culturized to mm-hmm. believe that bravery is 
only big stuff. And I think I, I love what you've done because I get it immediately. I hadn't put it in context. I say, oh my God. And I'm, I will tell you, I'm still doing it every day. And if I don't do something I considered brave today, that means I didn't stretch. Mm-hmm. doesn't That's mean I didn't point. find something big enough. That's why I love it. It just inspire, reminds me to look at my day and say, did I do something brave today? That's and if I didn't, what am I going to do tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another question I would, I would typically ask is, you know, how have I grown today? But I like the bravery because it's really, it, it is that pushing the boundaries. You know, where did I push outside of my comfort zone? Mm-hmm. So one, one move that we make uh, when we do leadership sessions, especially when we're doing, we've designed something and we're running a group of leaders through it at an organization, you can sometimes kind of fall into a bit of a rut. Like I say this, I do this, they move to this exercise, right? After you do it a couple of times. And we have a rule that every time we come together with that group, we experiment with one new thing that we've just mm-hmm. designed for that day. And we don't know how it's going to go. Yeah, It's not been tested. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and sometimes we tell them, sometimes we don't. Yeah. Uh, but we do that to really push ourselves That's great. Um, and to really sharpen our saws, right? To make sure that we are really trying to create and innovate um, all the time. Even if the design is set and this is what it is, we'll always bring one thing in new. Um, to have some fun with. So wait, Nicole, does that mean you never have anything that's perfect? (laughs) Never, (laughs) never anything, never. Uh, We're all human, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, in theory, theory, (laughs) I think some people are convinced they're not. When I think about the fear of, of kind of failing and not, you know, not not being perfect, I actually use a term called slips, trips, and falls. So if you've ever been in a manufacturing environment or dealt with OSHA, right? It's all about slips, trips, and falls. And I tell myself, and this is how I lessen it. If I can, if it's just a slip or a little trip, not a big deal. My goal is not to have a fall, right? Because falls result in death. Um, And that's not good, right? And so, but there's, um, there's examples for all the slips, trips, and falls. But my goal is if I can just have, if it's a little slip, it's not that big of a deal. Something I can absolutely overcome. My goal is not to have falls as often as possible. (laughs) <laughs> so Nicole, you've talked about this word a couple of times. I, I want to circle back to it to see how it all fits because as you gathered, it's something Craig and I talk about a lot. I think it's a I think it's another guest called it a secret sauce. But back to vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You've used the word a couple of times, but where does vulnerability, how is it showing up in your work? And perhaps how are you using it or amplifying it in your work? Yeah. Uh, we'll start leadership sessions, uh, with, uh, we call it the focus flow, feel and finish. And we talk about the feel of a session, right. That we want people to have, we begin to create what we want that to look like. And, um, one of the things we quickly get out of the way, we talk about the definition of vulnerability, what it is and what it isn't. Uh, because we want to just attack the elephant in the room right away. And we know if we set up the day or the week or however, whatever time we're the nine months that way, um, we can get people to be much more vulnerable and they can trust that we're creating the right mm-hmm. space for that to happen. And so I, we call it, we, one of our values at Bravium is talk straight. And so uh, Jeff, I, I get that definitely from you and Craig, you as well. Like you guys have a lot of talk straight. Like I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot it to you straight, right? And we do that in the beginning because we know if we invest the time there, it will create the right environment for leaders to loosen up their ties, right? And 
and, uh, and show up. Now, the challenge for me in that moment is how do I get them to take who they've become and, and, and move that back into the workplace? Yeah, so good. It's, I think it's interesting. Patrick Lencioni talks about if, you're not, if you don't have conflict in a meeting, it's not a productive meeting. Yeah. And that's where you know, we do need to step up and we need to challenge what people are saying, but oftentimes we don't. Mm-hmm. So, Nicole, this is so amazing. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more offline as well, some of the stuff we're going to talk off. But one question I'd like to ask at the end is this. You've shared a lot. We've asked some questions. Um, what's the question we haven't asked you that you need to answer for us today? <laughs> I think for when I think about the book, Small Brave Moves, it's coming out soon. And uh, the, the subtitle, right? Little acts of bravery are the key to life-changing leadership. Uh, leadership, when I talk leadership, and Jeff, you mentioned this earlier, I, I am talking, I, I really spend time talking about the emerging leader, the experienced leader, um, the leader that is, is uh, eight years old. Uh, and going to school right now yep. and trying to influence or make a difference in their world. My sons were in a leadership magnet school that Stephen Covey talked about in his book, The Eighth Habit, uh, mm-hmm. A.B. Combs Elementary. And just seeing how they incorporated all of the seven habits on a daily basis throughout the school was just amazing to see how much kids can absorb and how early. That is a great leadership book. That's in our top five is uh, the seven habits. Yeah. Oh, now I got to ask. What are the other four? (laughs) Okay. You really want the other four? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Power of moments, Chip and Dan Heath. Their power of moments. When you talk about creating transformational experiences in your leadership role and the moves that you can make to do that. They, I mean, it is thought provoking. Yeah. And for those leaders that are asleep at the wheel, like I want to go give them a power of moments book uh, <laughs> and hand it to them right away. Another one for us is playing to win Laughley Martin. That is really about strategy and has such great framework. When you think about those moves that you need to make, you know, how do they, how do you create what that needs to look like? Another one that I will tell you is, uh, culture code, Daniel Coyle. I know, I knew I was oh, no. missing one. His is so, and he talks about vulnerability, right? He does a yep. great job of really hitting on vulnerability. That's another one where I'm like, it is a must read for anybody in a leadership role. So Nicole, you started to mention the book. Let's, let's jump to what is it uh, you want to highlight, which I'm guessing is the book that's coming out very <laughs> soon. Yes. Uh, so I, you know, when we talked about um, it's a, it's a book I've been talking about for a couple of years and something turned uh, in January of 2020 for me, where pre-pandemic actually, where I said, write the damn book, write it. And if you don't, by the end of 2020, you have to bless and release this goal. You have to be done talking about it. And it gave me the momentum to like put into words everything I wanted to um, wanted to talk about. And it, so when I think about um, small, brave moves, and I think about, it's going to be in the leadership business aisle, but I will tell you, it is a beautiful mix of personal and professional small, brave moves that you can make. And it's all about the mindsets, behaviors, and habits of braver leaders and how living a life of braver ship can create a competitive advantage for leaders. And it takes one small, brave move at a time. But I do believe uh, when leaders do this and they do it well, they grow influence, they accomplish so much more, and they actually fear less because they're working on it all the time. 
Love it. I mean, the the work of leadership is a work of self-improvement. Definitely. So when is the the book out and how do people get it? Yeah. So May 10th, it will be released by the publisher. If you're looking for an autographed copy and you want a pre-order sale, you can head out to my website, www.nicolemm.com as a Marie Bianchi, B-I-A-N-C-H-I.com. You can get a pre-ordered autographed copy. Um, after May 10th, it'll be live on Amazon uh, as well. And so you'll have a couple of different ways that you can uh, secure the book. Wonderful. And how do people connect with you? You mentioned the website. Is, there, is that the best way or are there other ways? There or LinkedIn is another great, I'm really active on LinkedIn and commenting and interacting. And so I love to love to connect on LinkedIn as well. Wonderful. So, Nicole, you've already shared a lot about books. So, we're going to ask we go to the single closing question for you today, which is one of my favorites, which is about movies. So, what's the what's the movie, the scene, the quote, the character that speaks to you about leadership? Okay, have you seen the movie Tag? Where yeah, oh yeah, so yeah. good. Oh, it's such a great movie, and it's where the kids that are growing they grew up together playing tag, and as adults. One month a year, they play tag. They're, I mean, picture professional adults uh, chasing each other around the month of May to, to see whoever the final day of May, if you're it, you have to be it for the entire year till the next year. And it actually, they talk about it kept them, their friendship going strong. The scene I love is where Bob Callahan, he's the CEO. He's ready to walk into, so he's one of the tag players, one of the buddies He's ready, getting ready to walk into a meeting with the oh, Wall yeah. Street Journal. Yeah. So you're remembering this, right? Yeah. And he's getting ready to walk in and you can see he is experiencing fear. You can see it physically. He's nervous. And so he has to, when we talked earlier about reminding ourselves of our accomplishments, he is saying out loud to himself as he's walking by himself to this meeting with the Wall Street Journal. All right, Bob, you're the CEO of a Fortune 800 company. You've commanded the respect of coworkers and vendors alike. And that's why you're being interviewed by the big boys, the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> it's just a powerful moment. And it reminds me that, you know, the reason why I like to share that one is he's the CEO. He's a very successful person and he deals with this, right? Yeah. He deals with this. Um, the funny part is that's where his buddy comes in as the janitor. He poses as the janitor to tag him in this meeting. So it's such a great movie. And it's you gotta just watch a it, lot Jeff. Of fun. It's funny. You will I'll enjoy it. it. All right. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for being here. And as we often say, more, more importantly, thank you for the work you're doing, uh, helping to build braver leaders who do a brave thing every day and change their culture, their teams, and their lives. So thank you for all your work and for being here. Thank you so much, Jeff and Craig. I really appreciate it. Yeah. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. 
Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.